Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Views on View. I'm your host, Lindsay Wardell. With me today is Steve Edwards. Hello, hello, hello from gloomy and rainy Portland. There's no rain today. What are you talking about? It's not raining? Oh. It's not raining. Sorry, I haven't been outside of my cage in a while, so I just assumed gotta it was get, Gotta get you more windows. Well, at least a window that doesn't look right on my next door neighbor's wall. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's fair. And our special guest today is Alvaro. Welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Excited to talk with you today. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Would you mind introducing yourself for our audience who may not be familiar with your work yet? Yeah, sure. My name is Salvador. Alvaro Saurido. I'm a front-end engineer. I'm from Caracas, Venezuela, but I have been living from eight years ago in Barcelona, Spain, sunny Barcelona. Right now it's night, but it's pretty clear, so I'm happy with the weather today. Long story short, I started being a... Um, uh, telecommunications engineer. I studied a career in Venezuela, and in one point, I st- started doing programming in in the career. But I always had this like passion for uh, graphic design and and especially UX. So in one point, the only way that I had to mix creativity with programming was to be a front end development. I started in a friend's company doing WordPress long time ago. <laughs> in the beginning, PHP. I don't miss that th- those days, but it was really nice to start with. So I started like learning CSS proper, CSS, HTML, JavaScript. And then my first framework, I remember it was Angular, when it was AngularJS, actually. So I jumped to, to Spain from Venezuela. Well, actually, I, I went to Marseille first, uh, Aix-en-Provence in, in France. It's the only time that I actually work as a telecommunications engineer. I, it was a, a project in the south of France to put uh, 4G on the buses. It was quite nice. But then I had some friends here in in, in Barcelona. They invited me one weekend and, and I couldn't go back. Like, you know, no, I had to move. So I, I, I tried to, to find a, a front-end role in Barcelona. And I found one. And since there, I am up been one of core members, like founding the, the Porch Digital uh, company here in, in Spain. We uh, run the, a new office for, for Porch Digital and we are starting to create like uh, the office from scratch and having the products inside is quite nice. It's, I, I will say it's the sweetest part of my career right now as in terms of uh, content creation 
I'm deeply uh, doing things with Vue since a long time ago. I passed from Angular to Vue. Uh, for me, it was like another world. I do enjoy Angular still, but uh, Vue for me was like a, the community. And the way this, how simple it is to take it over. And right now I specialize only in Vue, uh, some things in Nuts. Uh, enjoying the the ecosystem and the front uh, mother front end uh, world for now. It's really cool to hear that you uh you made that transition from WordPress into Angular and then into Vue. I think that's a that's a very comfortable way to to advance through a career. I started similarly with PHP and then moved. I didn't do Angular. I jumped straight into Vue. But uh, I feel like getting into web development that way really helped establish some fundamentals that I'm then able to carry with me into whatever backend or frontend that I'm working in. Correctly. I also had the opportunity to be a freelancer for a while. The company that I was working in Venezuela, my boss migrated to another country, and then he left me all his clients to maintain. And that's where I started like properly and professionally, right? So I experienced that, that I advise to anyone to, for once in your lifetime, be a, a freelancer. It's really enrichful and it helps a lot. Then, for example, with the I was doing mobile with Angular. So the transition was crazy because I was doing like Ionic with Angular and then I moved to Vue. So now I'm curious, what brought up the, the desire to try out Vue as opposed to Angular? Was it purely the Angular 1 to Angular 2 migration or was there some other factor in making that decision. So I know up until recently, Ionic was only supporting Angular. So I'm just, I'm just curious yeah. around that. Yeah, in the beginning, it was like the tech stack that was more co- commonly in, in Barcelona offices. Like Angular was pretty deep into enterprise solutions and so on. And for the mobile, yeah, Ionic in that time, it only has support with Angular, especially when they translate to Angular uh, with TypeScript. I spent a lot of time and I was actually enjoying Angular, but I don't know, like I was, yeah, a colleague of mine in my team because I, I, I started to be tech lead and then uh, we hired somebody that was really prominent in Vue and he started like showing me Vue and I was like, oh man, this is amazing. Like, I love it. Where do I learn more? Oh, how we can bring Vue into the company stack and so on. And we started doing small projects with it. And I, I, I love it. Like I tried React in that moment, but to be fair, I wasn't good at JavaScript at that point of my, uh, my career. Like I was not good at, so I, I feel I couldn't like approach React in a, in a good way. And for me, Vue was easy to start getting comfortable with this uh, ecosystem of frameworks and more JavaScript and so on. Nowadays, I do want to come back and try React. Like uh, I'm in a point in my career that I feel comfortable by my JavaScript knowledge. So I would love to try any any framework. Like um, I, I don't like the, the framework wars kind of thing. Like I enjoy all the frameworks and it has their specific use case and so on. But definitely for Vue, it has been a lot of the community. To be honest, like I feel welcome from day one and uh, starting doing open source. I started with Vue, doing some pull requests and so on. And the whole environment, like it was so friendly. And then all the conference and so on, I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. The Vue community is 
exceptional in how welcoming and open it is to having people come in and just share what they're interested in, share what they're what they're doing. I found that from my side as well. I'm also curious, as you mentioned, you're at Porsche Digital. Mm-hmm. I I used to work as a contractor at Daimler Trucks, and we also used Vue for internal tooling. What's what's it like setting up all of the? It looks like you're setting up a new office. You said, yeah. What what is that like setting up the the new infrastructure and everything using Vue in that context? It, it's quite refreshing because I think it's the first time that uh, not only from the technological part but also the like the culture wise that we are shaping the office as we want to, as we 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 would like to work on on the company, you know, and. The opportunity and the responsibility of creating the infrastructure of the products in, in, in view has been really, really nice. There are another project products with, uh, other technologies right now. Uh, the one that I'm leading is with view and it was actually the reason they hired me in the beginning because uh, we took that product from somewhere else to continue and make it uh, our own. And it was already in Vue, but right now I'm taking over like with the team, the whole migration to Vue 3, which has been really, really fun and really challenging. <laughs> yeah, I've only had some some experience migrating from Vue 2 to Vue 3, mostly for personal apps. But I can imagine with something that's established, it can be a lot more difficult to make that jump, especially since the ecosystem is still catching up in many ways to, to support Vue 3, even though we just adopted it as the official recommendation. Correctly. Yeah, when we started the migration, it was, I think, not even the compatibility mode, or it was really raw. So we basically did it like manually in another branch and tried to, to figure out how we can do it. But I, it was well, like it was perfectly documented. Like it was easy to follow the steps and the, the migration like recommendations. But in this enterprise applications that have that many components and uh, third-party stuff, it has been complex. Most of the uh, the modules we have to write in from scratch because they were not they, they didn't have any support for Vue three in that moment. So uh, we kind of did it ourselves, which is also nice. You learn a lot to create models and plugins. Yeah, for sure. So I, I want to keep talking about the View 3 stuff, but also I want to make sure we get to, to our core topic of the day. You've been making a lot of online content, uh, both videos and articles from what I've seen. First off, tell us about that experience. But then I want to get specifically into an article that you wrote about getting started with 3JS and Vue, because 3D is something that's really, to me, it's something fascinating, especially in the browser. Because we think of a browser as it's just a web page. And even when you're building web applications, it's just a web page. It's like a document. Just think of it that way. But then you start adding 3D elements to it. And the whole thing just shifts. So I want to get there. I want to I want to make sure we're, we're heading in that direction. But I'm curious about what it's like for you creating content, both videos and articles, and what that experience has been. It's something that I'm really passionate about. I started in, in the university, like, I create a YouTube channel for engineering. And I held it uh, like because of work, uh, also traveling to another country, I left it behind. And when I was already established, I always had in my mind, like, I, I want to continue doing YouTube videos. I was doing them in Spanish, so for me, it was quite a change to do them in not my native language, like doing in English. 
but they helped me like improve my communication skills in terms of conference talks and so on. It helps me a lot. And I decided, okay, let's do it with this. Like it, this is my per- side project. Let's create new content, content in a different way, more like pair programming kind of thing. Like let's sit and try to create a Nox module from scratch or web application with 3D. Things that are not often shown in tutorials and try to give it a friendly. Uh, so that's why I started doing it. I was writing a lot actually before in Dev2 in, in, in Forum. But I met Alex and he told me like, okay, why wouldn't collaborate and do some articles in about Vue and Vue those and so on. So that's why this article came out with the 3D. Regarding 3D, it's something that I always wanted to learn how to do. My, like, if I could choose a, a career again, like go back in time and choose a career, I wanted to be a game developer when I was a kid. Like, I, I'm really fan of gaming and I always wanted to create, like, I don't know, like a Crash Bandicoot of myself or things like that. And for me, 3D was always like super far for me like I, I, you know uh, web development is super 2, 2d it's like okay we create these components but it's a document as you say and you have the ux but it's not quite live and with 3d you have that it's like more interactive and i had this imposter syndrome regarding 3d in my whole career and i knew that it was possible to do with with web but I thought it was too much for me. I had, like too much JavaScript, like I couldn't do it. And like one year ago, I started to check some articles Bruno, uh, from Bruno Simon. He has an excellent course about 3GS. And I decided to try it. Like, okay, let's see if I'm able to do it. And when you start doing things and creating shapes, using materials, how logic is everything, it's addictive. Like I started to spend all my afternoons creating stuff in 3GS and testing like lights and doing experiment and seeing that it actually wasn't rocket science. It's, it is totally doable. So if anyone that is hearing right now always wanted to try 3D, but they're afraid how difficult it will be, you can do it. Like it's super cool and super fun to do. So one point I say, okay, how can I use 3D in Vue? Because I was doing Vue applications, uh, nuts, pages, and so on. 3D is amazing for storytelling, for example, or giving a cool uh, scroll-based portfolio that you scroll and you have different shapes and the camera moves. Like it can add so much life to your application. How can I learn it? And I saw this wrapper for for three years, which is trois, calling the French uh, thing with the with the vid, uh, vid and view ecosystem. And I saw like they 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 had this wrapper using vid and view view three, and it was so simple to use. Like it, there are components that basically you put in in your template, and it will render the scene, it will render the cameras, it will render the meshes, the materials. It's really well done. And it's a nice way if you don't want to, or you you feel you are not that good at JavaScript at the beginning, like any other framework, it helps you start programming and doing things. I had this visual feedback of creating the stuff and 
enforcement and then you learn more and you specialize more and you learn more uh, javascript for me toa is a good tool to for people to learn like 3d and with their framework framework if they if they like yeah I'm, i can vouch for that i mean when i learned php and then eventually javascript i started in php as well it was through a framework you know i never sat down well i did do some php learning just by itself but once i got into drupal and the php world and then angular js and vue is really that was how i learned javascript through those frameworks so you know your peers will say oh you're really not learning javascript and you know that's a whole turf battle i don't want to get into but frameworks can be and office uh, many times are you know the gateway for people to learn about a particular language by because and it makes sense because the framework handles a lot of the nitty-gritty you know building ui or classes or you know builds a lot of tools that you can use easily and that makes it more interested as compared to okay I've got to learn this framework and how this, and then once I learn that, then I can put stuff together where it's a lot more fun to play with something that's already put together and learn how it works behind the scenes. So exactly. I'm done rambling. Now it has been, when I'm like mentoring people, I always say like, don't, don't get frustrated or don't get anxious about learning JavaScript. Like try to do a small projects uh, with the framework that you enjoy the most. Try to do them get this visual feedback, this uh, knowledge of how things go, and then start reading more, get deep into the topics, understand the topics, and so on. And it will enrich your capabilities of doing things with the frameworks itself and actually understand how the frameworks work. For me, it was really cool to understand how the view reactivity worked for the view trip. That was a, a point like I really was interested in JavaScript then, like with the whole explanation of proxies, I, I think I did it in View Mastery. They had a video with Evan Gio explaining that. And for me, it was like, okay, now I think I understand like completely. Yeah, I, I also really like that approach of digging into something with a framework, trying it out. Some of my, my best learning has been, I just want to build something. I don't know how, I'm going to try. And figuring it out as I go, and how to use the tools that I have. And until I reach the point that, okay, this tool does not do it, what other tool do I need? Has been a really, really great way for me to learn both view and just programming in general. It just feels really nice to, to move forward that way. And I will, I will agree with you uh, for myself, Alvaro. 3D is something that feels beyond me because I have always, as a programmer, I have always been either on a server or I've been in a web page, and those web pages are 2D. They may be interactive. They may have web sockets. They may do a really lot of cool things, but it's 2D. I haven't yet gotten to that point that I can say, I'm, I can do this. So whenever I look at something like Toi, for those listening, it's T-R-O-I-S, French word Toi, which is three. So when I look at something like this, and I'm looking at these demos that they have on their website, I'm just looking at this thinking, how in the world am I supposed to build something <laughs> like this? Is like I can click and drag and move the camera around and it's doing all sorts of effects. You can ap apply physics. You can make models do things. I mean, this this looks like you something you would see in Unity or Blender or, you know, some of the, the big right? fancy 3D engines, but it's just running in the browser and it's just JavaScript. And it's, like this and is it's really performant. It's really performant. Like it's crazy how performant yeah. it is. It's, so I don't know how, if I were to, if, 
let's talk about me specifically. And I, ho- I will hope there are other uh, developers listening who are in the same boat. I feel intimidated by 3D. I look at this, I think, how in the world can I get started? What would you recommend? How, how should I get started in learning something like this? I can talk like what approach did I take because it worked for me, but it can be different from everyone. Like everyone learns things in a, in a different way, right? But I would say like with Toa, you can start doing things really quick. The documentation is great. So you can start like creating shapes and understanding about the lights and so on. Getting an overall understanding of how 3D works, what the components are important for a, a scene, like the camera, how the materials work. And then if you want to do more complex stuff, I will always recommend to have another laboratory. Like I'm a fan of having laboratories. I have created so many repositories of laboratories of things, uh, labs that I took, and I have one for 3GS only. And there I work only in 3GS. I will re- Totally recommend the course from Simon, from Bruno Simon. I don't know if, uh, have you heard about him? He, he had a, a super cool portfolio that is basically a Jeep that goes, uh, you can you like race with it and, and hit obstacles and so on. It's super cool. And he has this 3GS journey, uh, course that I'm still doing and it has amazing like explains everything from detail how to all the components that you have in Twa will make totally sense when you use uh, 3GS and you build it from scratch like uh, code by code like line by line so I'm just making sure I'm on the right website I'm at bruno-simon.com or bruno-simon.com and it is a 3D game that's yeah. rendered is that the correct yeah. page yeah that's the correct page and you can like go around with the jeep and so on so when, when you see that you, you like you say how cool like what people does is so cool like how they do that i want to build something similar to this like i want to yeah. learn okay i gotta stop looking at this thing it's it's drawing my attention <laughs> definitely if you're listening go to that website we'll make sure it's in the show notes because it's phenomenal just to just to get an idea of what can be done as a summary of, of the question like how I would recommend to start with is like the same uh, approach of frameworks. Try to use Troy if you like Vue because it, you will have the components and it will be easier to actually render something. And then when you want to learn how to render it yourself by using vanilla JavaScript and or TypeScript if you like, then 3GS has an amazing documentation as well. Like it's crazy how good it is. So, or they, you have old examples and there are a lot of videos, like t- tutorials on, on YouTube. I was actually thinking about doing 3GS tutorials in my channel, like adding that part, like 3D, but there are so many good tutorials there that I, I kind of feel like, no, no, I shouldn't be doing more of those, right? Like the competition is so high. <laughs> I'll say from my own content creation, there's always room for more, and it's always great to have additional perspectives. So I would say go for it. But that's also because I really want to learn more about 3JS. So having cool content is awesome. Actually, I think that's why I, I choose Twa instead of doing the 3JS, because there are not that many content about Twa, and I think it's an amazing tool, especially for, for view lovers to do 3D or start doing 3D. 
So I guess that's why I, I end up doing that. A part of that, like right now, I'm doing what I always tell developers not to, that it's creating your own stuff. <laughs> so like the Twa is based on components. It's like a wrapper for three years, right? And I wanted to do, to see if I could do it in a composable way, like using composition API, use three years with composition API. So I don't have it done yet, but I have a a repository called Tres, yes, which is three, but in Spanish, <laughs> try to be different there, <laughs> to do three years uh, with composition API and and yeah, basic view. Let's see how it goes. It's a lot of programming. Like uh, if you see the library of Twa and the complexity of the, the, the components is like a, a complex topic, but it, it helps you like solidify your, your knowledge about three years to do this kind of experiments, like porting it into the way you feel more comfortable. For me, Composition API is amazing. Like I, I almost do everything with the Composition API nowadays. And the possibility of doing 3GS also with that uh, is, is really appealing. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So I know you mentioned a little bit about some of the different aspects of 3JS and how Twa implements them. Uh, I know you mentioned cameras and scenes, I think. Would you mind talking about some of those higher level building blocks? Yeah, for sure. Like something that I like about Twa is that they have these components and they have props and you can set the position uh, rotation of the camera, of the directional lights, of the ambient lights in a really easy way. One problem there is, is that you cannot really use reactivity though with because the how how 3ds work is like any other game like gaming they have a loop uh, each frames per second right and if you use reactivity of course using a plain object versus using proxy they have a performance difference in terms of so they they say like don't use reactivity to change position try to do it on the callback of the rendering and ch change the object the reference directly that's the way that they, they suggest i have it trying in the other way like using reactivity especially in the in the labyrinth that i'm doing and it doesn't make that much difference like it's it's impressively how, how performant it is uh, the three years as a base so the camera like if you want to start with 3d the three main objects that you need to learn is the renderer, which is going to be like the, the canvas where it's going, like all, all the things that you program is going to be rendered in. Then you have the scene, 
it's a really abstract uh, concept, but it's basically, it's like a group where you are going to put all your objects, your mesh and, and your lights. A camera is like you have the orthographic and the perspective. So the camera is just basically how they project uh, 2D version of the 3D world that you have. So you have uh, in a certain place is a representation, a 2D representation of your scene. And the lights are important and it's one of the more complex topics because it's something that reacts with the materials also and the shapes and you create shadows. So it's an, an astral class that defines how light will behave in that environment. Like if it will bounce in the material, how it will bounce in it. It's going to be glossy or it's going to be more matte. So those are the, like the core concepts. If you start doing 3D, you it's really good that you take a lot of effort to understand how the camera works and also how lighting works. And lighting can change your uh, your render in so many ways. It's also like if you use Blender or you use any other 3D software, lighting is a really important subject. Like it makes a difference on, on a good render and a bad render. Same for for 12, 3 years, like uh, camera usage is really, really important. You mentioned their Blender specifically, and that brought up another thought that I had. Where are all of these 3D models coming from? So in just in view in general, right, we have divs and divs make sense. It's just a div and then you apply CSS to it. But are you describing 3D shapes in Twa or are you importing 3D assets from some external file or some other location? How do the how do the models get brought into Twa or even 3JS at its core to be rendered on the screen? Yeah, for, for that is it's an interesting fact because you can create like really complex stuff by using the basic materials and the basic meshes and geometries that you have in, in tree. But if you really want to create a really complex model, you always, you will always need to do it in a 3D software and then important. Like a car, for example, the car of the portfolio is something that you could try to create with the geometries, but it's going to be different. Things like a planet, maybe you can think of, okay, I will create a sphere and then I will create certain, like um, a cylinder for a tree and then a cone for the, the actual tree, right? Okay, that's uh, in a low poly way is easy to, to achieve. But if you want to do more complex, more detailed stuff, realistic stuff, for example, you will always need to have a, a to create a model in Blender, for example. I say Blender because for me it was really friendly, like beginner friendly to start with 3D. Yeah, I think that I didn't know anything about 3D before one year ago. And I started doing this 3GS and Blender stuff. And when it gets to the uh, the the models, I start, okay, I create a model in 3DS um, in Blender. I want to see it in the web. Like I want to see it in 3GS. So there are something called loaders, especially model loaders that you can uh, import into your, in, into your scene. And we basically will generate a file Normally it's GLTF, the one I use. You can export it from Blender and then it's just basically, let's imagine a really complex JSON file or, or a binary file that says where where are all the vertex and all the, the, 
the different points of the the model. And then that is passed to 3GS that has a loader for GLTF and they convert it into shapes and stuff and meshes. It's a little difficult to explain. So sorry if it's yeah. not really clear. Uh, but it's uh, quite difficult to, to transpass it to language. Yeah, it's just such a fascinating world when you expand from the two-dimensional browser into a three-dimensional, all of the extra uh, requirements that come into it. A lot of mathematics, though. Like I have never used so much mathematics from the the career until now that I'm doing 3D. Oh, I bet. Because you're having to deal with a whole bunch of extra physics, too, I would assume. Yeah. And like position and rotation. I remember uh, sinusoidal and cosinusoidal waves. You're use, you can use them to, to change how uh, a particle goes and so on. So beyond the, the gaming, which also resonates with me because I, I got into programming originally to make Sonic the Hedgehog fan games, what, what uses are there for 3JS? I know you can make really cool websites, for example, Bruno's, where you're driving a car around on the screen to, to unlock content. But what, what are some of the, the more less game-focused game uh, use cases for something like 3JS? I would say uh, product storytelling experience like deep immersive experience on on the web a part of the gaming like let's say vr is also that i haven't touched yet but it's possible through 3d to add a twist of a normal web page like how we think about web pages as a 2d world where uh, everything is just like a plane i think for users of your product or your service it will add a visual impact for, for them to, to follow the story. If you create it with uh, 3D, it's going to be more immersive and it probably is going to convert even more. I think the use case of 3D, it needs to go along with a good UX, like it, it has to go along with a proper uh, design and so on. But you can achieve so many immersive things and in the web and tell a story with 3D that you will not be able to do it with normal. Maybe with SVGs, you can achieve something similar, but I don't know. I I really love how these web pages get you inside of the story just with 3D. It's something I I don't know how to explain, actually. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I think it's something that you need to experience to, to really be able to understand. It's kind of like I mean, using video games as an example, moving from the 2D consoles into the 3D consoles, there was this breakthrough moment of, oh my goodness, I'm more immersed. I'm, I can see what's happening better. I, I can relate to it just that little bit more. I, I would imagine the same is true of the web. It's just for so many developers, it's a completely different model of thinking that they just need to experience it. They just need to try it, would be my guess. I totally echo that. Nice. Before we wrap up our 3JS talk, is there anything else on that topic that you you would want to share with somebody? With 3D, well, I'm planning to create more content about it. Uh, I haven't thought about yet how I want to deliver it. But there are so many things that I'm learning right now about 3D, uh, 3D and how you can add it to, to your web applications. So even mobile, like I want to try an Ionic, Ionic with Vue and also use uh, 3GS and see it, how it performs in, in devices. But it, it opens so many possibilities of the user cases. I feel I'm getting short of actually how many things you can achieve with 3D. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to 
dig into this more and see what use cases I can think of. We just add a little, instead of a, I'm just thinking out loud now, but in, I've got this, this light mode, dark mode toggle button, but instead of a button, what if it was a ball and it actually rotated? Just a little thing to throw on the website to, to show that interactivity and story. I don't know. I'm just messing. And now that, that's how we started. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, check out my site in the future and you'll see a, a light and dark mode ball. Uh, maybe I'll make it bounce or something. I don't know. Well, cool. actually, now that when you say about the, uh, your webpage, I was actually thinking about changing mine um, because right now I have like a 2D pixel version of myself programming in a package planet. And I wanted to convert it to 3D. That was the main reason I started to do like, okay, I want to achieve that. How can I start? And then I started learning through years. The never ending quest of upgrading a blog site eventually leads to 3D. <laughs> eventually will do. <laughs> nice. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about, Alvaro, before we head to the end of the show. Yeah, lately I've been doing a lot of content uh, with Vue and uh, I'm also really happy right now because I end up being a story blog ambassador. Um, so for my my content creation work and my personal uh, branding, it has been an amazing start of the year. Also uh, with Alex uh, that was here in the, in the show lately to do more stuff. And um, this is my first podcast of the year. So really cool that I was uh, able to do it with you guys. It's really, really awesome. Yeah, I wanted to share like a little bit promotion of, of, of my content creation. So uh, I will create more like Knox, a story blog, view, uh, 3D kind of content. And yeah. Yeah, I will mention here One that uh, last week I interviewed Alec Cover, a coworker, I believe, of, of Alvaro's from Storyblock, and we talked quite a bit about Storyblock and, and what it does. So if you want some in-depth knowledge on Storyblock, you can listen to that podcast, which actually just came out today. I, I see you can add 3D Storyblock. So it's an endless way of creating new possibilities with all the tools that are available in the, mo in the front-end world. It's a good moment to be a front-end developer, I would say. Oh, definitely. Now, now I'm imagining a blog scrolling out like a Star Wars intro and panicking, flying in like a spaceship or something. I, I might do that. I might see what I can pull off. I also wanted to point out your your article that we're talking about on Hua is posted on View Dose, which looks like it was also created by Alex. I don't know if you talked about that. Oh, yes. Steve, we talked about it quite a bit. So. How, how, he's, how and when he started oh, cool. it and, and so on. So, yes, we talked about it quite a bit. I just, I, like I told him, I've been getting View Dose, the newsletter, for a long time. And so when I saw his name coming up on being on the podcast, I was pretty happy about that. So Awesome. But Alberto, the, the point I wanted to make was, how did you get involved with that side, uh, being able to post on ViewDose? It's one thing to make uh, content, like I post on my own blog site, but how do you get involved with something more centralized like that to the view? I think you just paid him a lot of money, right? Wasn't that what he said? No. <laughs> oh, no, I, I hope, I hope. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really na natural, like more or less how we end up doing this podcast. Like it was a friendly conversation and it comes in, in Twitter. We follow each other. Uh, I was sharing content and uh, one day, uh, Paul Melero, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. He's, he's also from Venezuela. I got con in contact with him about doing an article. I say, I, I would, I would love to do an article in, in, in videos, how we can make it happen. 
and then conversations start happening and, and I send them a draft about an article. They like it. And from now on, I start also talking with Alex and he told me about the possibility of creating content with the story blog. And he all went natural. Like I was really, really happy at the end of the last year. Like things were finally moving forward. Like I I really want to to be part of the community and share knowledge. It's something that I'm passionate about, advocacy and so on. And this was the first time like I feel oh um I started to creating content. People are started to 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 read about it. They share stuff with me. Uh, we open discussions for interesting stuff. So this opportunity of be with them in the Budos really helped me a lot. That's awesome. I, I've had some discussions with Paul over Twitter. I just really enjoy talking with him. So uh, he's amazing. Really cool yeah. You got in that way. Yeah, he's he's great. Shout out to Paul. Well, cool. Alvaro, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. This has been a great episode. I have a, a lot of fun. It's really cool. Sorry that I, I'm a little bit nervous because I uh, not often record podcasts. So thanks for having me and thanks for the nice talk. Like I, it, it was really cool. Well, like I told Alex, this was yeah, uh, for sure. You know, it was his first podcast when we recorded last week, and I told him the bigger problem is going to be the immense fame that is going to come your way once this is released. People <laughs> will be wanting autographs and interviews, and your life will never be the same. So just just as a warning, be prepared for that. <laughs> I had to run from paparazzi then. Exactly, exactly. Watch for them staking out your house, you know, in their cars and cameras with long lenses. And- <laughs> Yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. going to be nuts. <laughs> hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. All right. So at this point, we will move on to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we share things we like with the community. They don't have to be programming related, could be whatever we're interested in right now. Steve, would you like to go first? Yes. First pick, I will actually, before I get into the highly anticipated part of every episode, which is the dad jokes, uh, is a blog post (laughs) that I came across on Twitter today, actually. And it might sound familiar to some people. It's coming into view. What's next in view three by somebody named Lindsay K. Wardell. So uh, it's... uh, yeah, I, that I, thought, I thought that would She's ring great. a bell. So anyway, interesting post about uh, V3 and and uh, what's coming up. And then also one other pick is a company. As I'm into CrossFit, exercising, whatever you want to call it, and being an equipment geek, there's always certain things I like to get for that help out, you know, whether it's body support or whatever. And there's a company called Element 26 that I found when I was doing research on a weight belt. And they're, it's interesting, they're not like, you know, Rogue, which is one of the more well-known CrossFit equipment companies where they just have a very limited set of things that they make and that they sell. And uh, I've bought a couple of things from them. And so a really good company, very reasonable price, very good at uh, support, you know, if you have issues or questions or, or concerns or anything. So element26.co. And then for my... Uh, Jokes of the week. Uh, question. What do you give a dog with a fever? Mustard. It's the best thing for a hot dog. Uh, Thank you. 
Now, to be honest, my normal answer to this would be ketchup. I prefer I prefer ketchups on hot dogs, and some people would call me a heretic. And I actually mix ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. So they're both good, I think, for a dog with a fever, but not to belabor the point too much. And then uh, I thought that was the, the standard for hot dogs. but Yeah, it, it, it all depends. Somebody told me I, I wouldn't be safe walking the streets of Chicago after saying ketchup on a hot dog, but... Uh, that's where I was born and I was fine then, but that's okay. Um, and it's okay. I put pepperoni on. Well, so do too. I. It's the, the ones that call me the heretics are the one because I like pine and swine, you know, Canadian bacon, pineapple, and people swear that should never go on. It's not really pizza with that. And I say to each his own. Uh, anyway, and then. <clears throat> that, that reminds me today we did an uh, icebreaking uh, thing in, in the restaurant side of in the company and they were showing pictures of. What kind of person are you? The one that puts <laughs> sauce in, on top of the fries or a side of the fries? Oh, it's always the side. Of course, everybody knows that. And then you dip it in there. I mean, who would put stuff on the fries? So I once had a hen that could count her own eggs. She was a mathematician. chicken. Uh... <laughs> anyway. I think where Ma Mark Bakes gets the, his dad jokes then. I can't. I cannot understand now. <laughs> oh, I have. I have many, many sources of of good dad jokes. I compile them every day and share them <laughs> daily on Twitter. Yes, for more of, of my dad jokes, you can follow me at Wonder95 on Twitter. I have a DJOTD dad joke of the day. But that's it for me for this week. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. I will go next. So I have two picks today. My first is, in case you were not aware, uh, View Three is now the officially recommended version of View. So if you're starting a new project and you just run npm init view, you will get a Vue 3 application running on Vite. With that comes a brand new documentation site for Vue. So if you just go to Vue.js.org, you will see a very, very fancy new website with information on how to get started with Vue. Documentation is excellent. It's been updated for Vue 3, but also for how Vue is used today as opposed to when Vue 2 initially released. There's a whole section on testing, server-side rendering, Everything you need to know about how to use Vue is right there, as well as the new Vue 3 features. So go check that out. It's just the Vue.js.org site. And what's really cool, if you are somebody who likes the Options API, there is a toggle in the top left corner where you can toggle from Composition API to Options API and back and forth. So you can see examples of the same basic code in both formats. Just another little highlight that the Options API is not dead and is not going anywhere anytime soon. I think the correct way to say uh, that is that you can view the differences with that toggle. I was going to say that you can have a change of view, but sure. Wait a minute, here we go. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yep, okay, we need me. that for yours as well. Thank you. It's views on view. What do you expect? Uh, <laughs> so my second pick today, as longtime listeners of the show know, I've been listening to the Expanse series as audiobooks. Just recently, I finished Leviathan Falls, the ninth and final book in the series, came out end of November. It is excellent. If you have been interested in The Expanse, if you're interested in sci-fi, I definitely recommend checking out the entire series. The ending is pulled off very well. I'm, I could not have been happier with how they wrapped up the series. So definitely check out The Expanse, all nine books. Uh, the first one is Leviathan Wakes. The last one is Leviathan Falls. So those are my two picks. Alvaro, do you have a pick for us today? Yeah, actually I have. I have two. One is more related to, to the ecosystem and view. 
I want to shout out to the work that uh, the Knox Modules uh, team is doing right now, especially uh, Jacob. Maybe you're familiar with the, him. He's also an ambassador story blog, and he's doing an amazing job with the modules right now. They're creating like Algolia module for Knox. All this documentation that came out, I think, last week. That's why I record the video about Knox modules uh, this week and, and post it. It's super easy to create now uh, Nux modules and uh, from scratch and and add it to to your application and extend the functionality of your Nux application uh, with these modules. So, if you don't follow him yet, please do so. There are a lot of cool stuff coming. Also, like the story block module, for example, for Nux and those kind of things. So, uh, keep in touch with him. And the second pick is actually not about programming. Is uh, I have been seen with my girlfriend. Uh, we love this kind of cri- cri- criminal documentaries and so on. And we li- uh, we live in Catalonia, in in Spain. So there is a, a show that was a, a radio show first called Crimes, which is like in Catalan is like crimes. Okay, and it tells in each episode like they took. They take uh, one crime that happened in in Catalonia and they explain it. But it's so well done. The photography is great. the The story are, are real and the, the 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 names are real. But the way is uh, the music also is amazing. Like it really makes you uh, fear about it because most of the places I've been walking in those places in Barcelona. So it's like whoa. I can't believe this happened here and it's really, really addictive. <laughs> yeah, a little while back in August, I was in uh, Arlington, which is where my company is headquartered. And myself and a coworker were walking down by, uh, go across the bridge over to, to DC. And it came across, there's a parking garage there, which in itself isn't anything particularly attractive, but there's a sign outside that says, this is the parking garage that was used by Woodward and Bernstein to meet Deep Throat during the whole, all the president's men goings on Watergate and stuff. So I thought that was, that's pretty cool. I still have a picture of that sign, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting to see stuff in real life that you, you know, you read about these places. Yeah. It's always fun to recognize those places as, as real places and not just, yeah, it happened somewhere, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Alberto. Thank you for sharing that. Great. Alberto, where would, people go to find you if they want to either read some of the content you're putting out or watch your videos or just just chat with you? What's the best way to reach out? The best way will be Twitter. I'm really active on Twitter. So you can follow me on Alvaro Sabu, A-L-V-A-R-R-O-S-A-B-U. I will share the, the link afterwards, but the best way is there. And you can send me a message anytime. So let's hang out there. And for the rest, the content creation, I use YouTube with the na- same name. So uh, the channel is called Alvaro de Blabs. And write me in the comments. And especially if, if you would like to see more content about a certain topic, uh, let me know. Like I'm super open on creating more content that adapts to uh, what people want to see. So feel free to, to contact me anytime. Excellent. Thank you. We'll make sure there are links in the show notes as well. Once again, Alvado, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciated talking with you about Twa and Three and content creation and everything that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It has been really, really cool. Thank you. Of course. Hope you all enjoyed this episode as well. You can find more of us at Views on View. We're also on Twitter at Views on View. You can find myself on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. 
and Steve on Twitter at Wonder95. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you again Adios. next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.